Welcome to the Practical Employment Law Podcast, a podcast covering all aspects of American employment law. I'm your host, Mark Chumley. I don't usually drop two podcast episodes on the same day, but the Supreme Court has issued a decision that those of us in the employment world have been anxiously waiting on. In Groff v. DeJoy decided today, the U.S. Supreme Court clarified the standard for employers to determine what constitutes an undue burden that would permit an employer to reject an employee's request for a religious accommodation. Under Title VII, employers are required to reasonably accommodate an employee's religious observance or practice if it is possible to do so without undue hardship on the conduct of the employer's business. Until today, the seminal case on Title VII religious accommodations was the 1977 Supreme Court decision in Transworld Airlines, Inc. v. Hardison. That case established the well-known standard that an employer is not obligated to grant a religious accommodation if the accommodation would create more than a de minimis burden on the employer's operations. Now, in the case decided today, The plaintiff, Mr. Groff, worked for the United States Postal Service as a rural carrier associate, an employee who fills in on an as-needed basis. Because the Postal Service had entered into a contract to deliver Amazon packages, Mr. Groff and other employees were required to work on Sundays to handle the increased volume of deliveries. Mr. Groff requested an accommodation due to his religious beliefs, which precluded him from working on Sundays. After being disciplined several times for refusing to work Sundays, Mr. Groff resigned and filed a lawsuit. The the Third Circuit applied the de minimis standard in ruling against Groff and, among other things, noted the impact of the requested accommodation on his co-workers. The two issues that were being considered by the Supreme Court in the case were, number one, whether the court should disapprove the de minimis test for refusing religious accommodations under Title VII, as stated in Hardison, and, number two, whether an employer may demonstrate undue hardship on the conduct of the employer's business under Title VII merely by showing that the requested accommodation burdens the employee's co-workers rather than the business itself. In finding in Mr. Groff's favor, the court did not overturn Harding, as some expected, or establish a new standard for religious accommodation. Rather, the court stated that, quote, what is most important is that undue hardship in Title VII means what it says, and courts should resolve whether a hardship would be substantial in the context of the employer's business in the common-sense manner that it would use in applying any such test, end quote. In other words, undue hardship is shown when a burden is substantial in the overall context of an employer's business. With respect to the Harding de minimis standard, Justice Alito noted, although this line would later be viewed by many lower courts as the authoritative interpretation of the statutory term undue hardship, it is doubtful that it was meant to take on that large role, end quote. Now, with respect to burdens on co-workers, The court stated that an employer who fails to provide an accommodation has a defense only if the hardship is undue, and a hardship that is attributable to employee animosity to a particular religion, to religion in general, or to the very notion of accommodating religious practice cannot be considered undue. Justice Sotomayor, 
in a concurring opinion, elaborated that, quote, because the conduct of a business plainly includes the management and performance of the business's employees, undue hardship on the conduct of a business may include undue hardship on the business's employees. Thus, not all impacts on coworkers are relevant, only those that go on to affect the conduct of the business. So going forward, employers considering requests for religious accommodations need to focus on whether the burden imposed by the request is substantial in the overall context of an employer's business, and they can only deny those accommodation requests that meet this standard for establishing undue hardship. In the end, this decision isn't nearly as big of a departure from current practice as many had expected. There were some commentators awaiting this decision who thought that the court might go so far as to make the analysis for undue hardship and religious accommodation the equivalent of the analysis you see in ADA accommodations, and the court didn't go that far. Uh, the court did put to, get, put to bed the whole de minimis standard, and I think that employers typically rely on that mostly when they get sued over these types of claims, rather than using it as the standard that they apply when they get requests for accommodations. In my experience, most employers already were taking a somewhat broader view of what constitutes an undue hardship than a strict de minimis standard. The EEOC has certainly taken that position. Uh, so I don't think for many employers that this would be a huge departure from what they're already doing. But for those who were still clinging to the de minimis standard, I think it will be incumbent on them to be a little more careful in analyzing whether or not to grant religious accommodations and certainly uh, being a little more careful in what they might point to as an undue hardship. This has been the Practical Employment Law Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please watch for future episodes wherever you get podcasts. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you would like to contact me about any aspect of the podcast, my email address is mchumley at kmklaw.com, and my full contact information is in the show notes. This podcast was created for general informational purposes only and does not constitute legal advice or a solicitation to provide legal services. Although we attempt to ensure that the podcast is complete, accurate, and up-to-date, we assume no responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or timeliness. The information in this podcast is not intended to create, and listening to it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Listeners should not act upon this information without seeking professional legal counsel.